Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Parentage. Do you remember being asked if you had a preference for a boy or a girl? Were you annoyed that someone would presume you did? Or did you feel guilty for secretly having a preference when really we should just all be grateful for a healthy baby? Whatever your feelings, it's likely that they were strong. And my guest today feels that rather than feeling guilty, we need to open up the conversation around what is actually a very common experience. Dr. Lindsay McMillan is a clinical psychologist who has a special interest in parental gender disappointment. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here today. I'd love to chat about what exactly you mean uh, by parental gender disappointment. I think a lot of people will be familiar with the kind of idea of it, but not necessarily with the term parental gender disappointment. Yes, absolutely. So, um, parental gender disappointment is a term used to describe the emotional distress that some parents might experience in relation to the sex of their baby. And this can happen when a parent um, doesn't have the longed for son or the longed for daughter that they've um, held hopes for. So there's um, a preference a parent might hold to have a certain sexed child or perhaps for their family to be made up in a certain way, um, perhaps a certain birth order even. Um, and that preference around the sex of baby can be hopes, wishes, dreams, um, desires to bring up a son or a daughter. Um, but also preference can be about feeling worried or feeling anxious about parenting a certain sex child. Um, so that term gender disappointment seems to be been around for kind of the last 20 or so years. Um, perhaps it's originated online. Um, it's used a lot online. And like you said, Marina, that, that often, you know, sometimes people have heard of this term and other people say, oh, I absolutely understand that experience, but I didn't have that name for it. Um so just to say as well that gender disappointment isn't a mental health diagnosis, um, but it, it really can impact on parental mental health um, and, and how, um, how parents are, are feeling, particularly in pregnancy and the postnatal period. And not all of us are that honest about our feelings, especially if we feel ashamed about what we're feeling. How common do you think parental gender disappointment is? That's 
a really difficult um, question to answer because we just simply don't have enough research and statistics around that. Um, I think if we separate out the preference part and the distress part of the gender disappointment, um, many, many more people would probably relate to having a preference or even if don't, don't call it a preference, having ideas about, you know, what it might be like if I have a daughter, what it might be like if I have a son um, or, or, you know, how, how my family might look like. Um, many more people will, will relate to that than will go on to experience kind of the distress of not having that. Um, but just in, I think it was 2017, Channel Mum did a survey of over a thousand um, mothers. And in that 80% of, of those mums said, it's really normal for, for a parent to hold a preference for the sex of their child. Um, so yes, we, we, uh, we don't have exact figures but the recent way of asking, isn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah. rather than do you feel this shameful preference for having a, a, a either a son or a daughter? Exactly, and and like you said, uh, Marina, the the guilt and the shame that is often goes along with this um, might you know people might hold back from actually say you know admitting that that preference um, is there. The, the little bit of research that is available might be suggesting that now in kind of Western countries, cultures, so the UK, the US, Australia, Europe, and I'm saying this with a very kind of broad brush, it doesn't tell us about individuals' experience, um, but there might be more of a trend now um, for mothers to um, hope for daughters and fathers to hope for sons. Um, but there might also be um, a trend for family balancing. So this idea of um, thinking that in my family, I will have at least one child of each sex um, to parents. But then I guess, you know, in today's world where there is much more broadly speaking, um, equality between the sexes, you know, part of me thinks in this world of kind of gender reveals and also this sort of notion of perfection and that we have control over everything is it kind of having a preference more common especially now that we can find out the sex of our child um but then you know you look back to you know a hundred years ago and actually for some people it was incredibly important to have a boy or a girl mainly a boy actually wasn't it yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think preference, you know, we can talk about general preferences and talk about individual preference and, and they might be, be very, you know, different. But yeah, I think historically there was this sense of, um, you know, families wanting sons and that might have been tied into, um, you know, work and agriculture and you know and and labor survival absolutely or it might be um about passing on inheritance and passing on the family name um but i wonder if what actually we're seeing now is more particularly um maybe maybe more for mothers for, for fathers as well but it's more about kind of connection 
really is what I think underlies this. Um, and I think society tells us that daughters are more likely to stay emotionally and physically close to us and sons are more likely not to. And that old kind of adage of um, a son's a son until he takes a wife, a daughter's a daughter the rest of her life. Um, you know, this this idea that that actually, you know, what, what happens if I only have sons? Um, you know, what will happen when, when they grow up? But presumably, you know, looking back at all those old wives' tales about how before, you know, sonography could tell you for sure whether you were having a boy or a girl, mm -hmm. there were a lot of, you know, ways where, you know, you could potentially um, determine the sex of the baby or even, um, you know, how to decide the sex of the baby when conception happened. And there were a lot of old wives' tales around that historically, which shows that actually there must have been quite a lot of preference for either a boy or a girl historically. Yes, absolutely. All those things around, um, you know, guessing the, the, the sex of baby by the size or the shape of bump or um, how sick you are in in pregnancy or headaches or you know that this these kinds of things we still do that now yeah um, feels your beauty i remember hearing that yes <laughs> yes i was trying to tell me i was wearing a blue dress and she was like you're definitely having a boy because you're wearing a blue dress i was like really <laughs> And of course, all these genders, stereotypes come into play there. The, yeah, exactly. As you're just saying, kind of the boys equal blue and girls equals pink. And, um, you know, they, those stereotypes are still very, um, very strong in our society. But, but yes, these, I think, I think generally these ideas around, you know, uh, swinging a ring over the bump. And if it's, if it swings, it's, it's one thing. If it, if it's, circles is I can't remember which way around it is but um I think they're they're, they're mostly kind of um uh, debunked you know but they they have come you know from probably uh, I think from um you know even in ancient Greece and you know all, all these um ideas about how um how ch how boys and girls are conceived um you know they, they've been around for a long long time yes wasn't there you know isn't there some idea that depending on when you ovulate versus when you actually have sex you're more likely to have a boy or a girl is there any truth in that so in terms of um conception and attempts to conceive um boys and girls there's kind of they it's split into two kind of areas now so there's low-tech methods and high-tech methods so the low-tech methods are often called swaying um, um methods and they are things like you're, you're saying about kind of timing of intercourse around ovulation temperature diet um you know nutrition um all these these kinds of ways and i think over time these have developed into methods um so Is there any data to support the fact that they work i think if you probably if you read into the methods and research or or results will be presented in in a in a particular way um i've i'm not sure that there is much 
if any, independent gold standard RCT um, research trials that actually look into um, these. I think I think generally the consensus is that they they are um, it is still a fifty fifty chance of having um, a boy or a girl unless we move into the high tech methods so as um as technology has developed um it has become possible to um uh, to select the sex of, of gender um, and there's huge ethical debates around this and legalities so there is um a method called uh, PGD, pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, which is a process um, similar to IVF, where but where the sex of the embryo is tested before implantation. And that's illegal in the UK for social purposes. Um, but it is legal in many states, it's legal in parts of Europe. Um, and so there is, we see that there are some parents that will travel abroad to have the procedure um, uh, in, in order to try and have the, the son or the daughter that they, they very much um, want. And I think whether, whether it's low-tech swaying or the high-tech methods, what, what these do, it, it, they're, they're selling, they're providing hope um, that, that it is possible to have the son or the daughter very much wanted. Um, and they also provide a sense of control in a situation where we might be feeling very out of control. Um, and yeah, absolutely, as you just mentioned, Marina, that society tells us, well, you can have it all. If you work hard, if you, um, if you think positively, you can achieve this. Um, so I think that that, that becomes, um, the gender of our children potentially becomes a goal to attain, um, to achieve. That's a good thing, isn't it? Because I think for a lot of people, they just want to know that they've done all they can. Because, yeah. I mean, let's be clear, parental gender disappointment doesn't mean that you then don't love the child that you have, even though they were not the sex that you'd had a preference for. It's the fact that you had a dream and a hope and you're mm. grieving the death of that, but you're still delighting in the child that is yours and, and you're still falling in love with that child. Yes, absolutely. And there's, I think this is one of the, one of the things that makes gender disappointments so difficult for parents to talk about, that there are these misconceptions um, and judgments from other people that if you express any kind of, um, sadness or disappointment that you don't have the son or the daughter that you were hoping for that that automatically means that um you, you don't want the child that you have that you're being ungrateful that you know you should just be concentrating that on that you've got a baby or that you've got a healthy baby um and so it, it's about moving away from that and saying that we can hold these two things at the same time that there can be sadness um and and, and a sense of loss of not having the opportunity to parent the daughter or the son that you thought you would um, and at the same time you know absolutely loving and bonding um, with the baby that you do have they're, they're two different things 
Yeah, and I, th I, mean, I think it's a very brave thing to admit that, but it is also one of the most annoying things when you do admit that, you know, to say, oh, I'm really hoping for mm -hmm. a boy, to, for that, someone to go, well, you should just be happy with a healthy child. Because you're like, well, of course I'm going to be happy. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to be grateful for a healthy child. It means that I just have a preference. And it's so annoying when people tell you that because you're just like, well, no, I'm, I'm, of course I'm going to be grateful for that. I haven't lost sight of that. I'm just telling you that I have a preference. Exactly, exactly. And, and actually, you know, I don't know if it was your experience, Marina, it's certainly mine when, when I've been pregnant. You know, that's often the first thing that people will say. They'll see you're pregnant or you tell them that you're pregnant. And often one of the first things is, what are you hoping for, a boy or a girl? Um, and so, you know, there's kind of these mixed messages, I think, that through asking questions like that, there's kind of an assumption that, that a parent might have a preference or might have a hope, but what's not tolerated is the distress that might come up um, later down the line if, if that preference doesn't come, um, it, it come true. Because I think as society, you know, you sort of want to be able to support people and say the right thing. And often we end up saying the wrong thing, not because we intend to say the wrong thing, but because we haven't really thought about that. So just that kind of comment, well, be grateful that it's healthy, um, is actually a, just a really annoying, um, irritating and potentially quite offensive comment. Yeah. Um, but I also find that when someone says, oh, I'm pregnant, there's not a huge amount to ask them you know let's face it that the sort of pregnancy is a result of a very intimate private moment between mm -hmm. <laughs> between the couple so you might not want to delve too deeply in there or it's the result of of IVF which again is something that's kind of quite private so there's I think very little that you can actually ask um, but if someone does say I'm really hoping for a boy or a girl or if they said you know I was really hoping for a boy let's say um and they say but i am having a girl how do you respond to them do you sort of commiserate or do you empathize that actually this preference is sort of really common what's the best way what's the best thing to say in that situation i guess it's um really about opening up some space to say you know if you do you need to talk about this you know, or, you know, or not asking those questions necessarily in the first place, um, you know, so, or, or being cautious around that. There's, I think often people, people talk to me about how um, particularly mums of boys feel this sense of pity from other people, that other people say, oh, you're having another boy, oh, poor you, never mind. So these kinds of comments, not just the questions, but the comments, you know, trying to kind of just be mindful of of how they are, are coming across. Um, but yeah, just opening space up and then saying, you know, if, if like anything, is if this is difficult for you, I'm here for you and, and, and I can listen to you. And I'm not going to judge you. Exactly, yeah. I know yeah. part of me thinks that, you know, because it is sort of secretly shrouded in a bit of shame to hear, do you know what, I felt the same thing. And possibly, yes. yes, but I love my son or my daughter or whatever I have, you know, and I wouldn't swap him or her for the world. I think that's probably quite an encouraging thing to hear because you don't feel so alone and you don't feel so ashamed of these feelings that you're having. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Definitely. And, and what, what I, a conversation that comes up a lot when I'm talking to parents about this in, in therapy is almost this testing out of, are you a safe person that I can talk to about this? Or finding someone else that maybe has, you know, the, the same um, makeup of, of gender children in, in the family. Um, and just kind of, you know, those moments of sharing, oh gosh, I felt like that too. And I've never spoken to anyone about that. It can be really powerful. And if you are someone who does hold a preference, and it might be a really strong preference or desire mm-hmm. to have a certain boy or a girl, or pressure from your partner, you know, you've got three girls and they're like, you just really like a boy. And very often mm-hmm. that conversation goes, shall we try for a boy or shall we try for a girl? Um, how do you, how is best to manage it? Um, from sort of preconception through to the birth of your child. Mm. I, that's um, that's it's it's really difficult, and it goes back to that this idea about can the sex of our children be a goal, you know, almost to reach, attain, um, and of course with that comes the notion, some kind of notion almost of um, success and failure. Um, you know, if the if the goal is to have a, a a child of a certain sex, then it makes sense that people will. Um, in, in my in my research, I, t- I term this investment. We invest in the preference. So whether that's thinking a lot about it, um, a lot of emotional investment, or actual behavioural action of these are things that we are going to do to try and influence the sex of our baby. Um, Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. That also then builds up a layer of how much, you know, we, we are putting into trying so hard for this. Um, and ultimately, if you're going to try for another baby with gender in mind or the sex of the baby in mind, um, you, you need to be able to um, be okay with either outcome. Um, and so, you know, it might be helpful if this is something that is really important to you and you think that you are going to struggle one way or the other that you um that you are able to kind of think 
think through this with somebody, talk about it, think about why it is so important for you to have um, a, a, a daughter or a son um, and anything else that that kind of might link to for you um, that, that that is kind of processed and whether that's with kind of family or friends or someone like myself as a psychologist um, and, you know, because for some people they will have the baby that of, of the sex that they very much hope for but if you if you don't then what you know how do you come to terms with that um and for for some it might be very um fleeting and manageable distress um and for others it might be very intense and um might end up feeling very stuck in it so and again there's the impact on kind of mental health and emotional well-being so making sure that you know that should you be in that situation where you might go to for support um around that well and it's presumably also going to impact your relationship if sex Mm -hmm. which is something that in an ideal world is spontaneous and joyful and lots of fun turns into something that is purposeful um a bit like i mean i've just heard from people who are struggling to have babies that you know Mm. sex when they're trying to have a baby turns into something that's actually not that enjoyable because it's got to be at a certain time in a certain position you know and i can imagine that if you're using those conception techniques to potentially sway the gender of your child you're starting off turning something that is kind of one of the great joys of life into something that's not which isn't a great Mm. start is it yeah, and I guess it comes back to, as you said, this idea of, but at least I've tried everything. At least I know that I've put everything um, in, into everything that I possibly could, even if it doesn't work. Um, but, you know, thinking about when we hold on to these ideas very tightly, anything in life, we hold on to it very tightly, then, um, you, you know, and we don't leave space for this might not happen you know all this positive thinking or you know good vibes only ideas that society tells us about um then you know potentially that can kind of increase um distress later on um but yes you know if, if you are going to go down the that road um having a willing <laughs> um partner or um is is going to be diff- important and of course partners may uh, share the preference or they may not share the preference or the kind of the um you know how how much that means to to somebody to to do and if you do have a preference and you're pregnant is it do you think it's better psychologically to find out as early as possible the sex of your child or to leave it as a surprise so that you to find out the sex when they're born Yes, that's another <laughs> that's another really interesting question, and it is one that comes up quite a lot. Um, and again, it really depends. It's really individual. So um, you know, you know yourself best. You know, how do you do? You, are you a preparer? Do you need time to kind of um, process your emotions and your thoughts? Um, there's a, a, a message that is out on kind of um, online that seems to say that once you have your baby in your arms, all these ideas about the the, the sex and the gender and, and hopes, all that gender disappointment will just disappear. And of course, for some people that will happen, this kind of idea of the, the rush of love. Um, 
and you know we we know generally that happens for for parents but not everybody so you know if 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 you're listening to this and you thought well actually I I thought once I had my baby in my arms all of this would disappear disappear for me and it didn't um you know that's that's okay that's that that doesn't happen for everybody um and it's not necessarily anything to do with gender it's the fact that actually for for a lot of people you know, they've got so much adrenaline going around their bodies when they deliver their babies. That's what's preventing them feel the rush of love rather than the fact that it's a boy when they wanted it a girl. Yeah. And if we bring it back down to connection and relationship, the um, the attachment between uh, parent and baby, you know, it isn't just a, a, a one hit at birth, is it? It's something that develops over time um, and can develop. And if you have you know, certain kind of perhaps certain worries or anxieties, how am I going to parent, be a mum to a boy or how am I going to be a parent or a mum to a, a daughter, um, a girl, then, you know, that, that might come into it. And the impact on mental health, we know that postnatal depression um, symptoms also, you know, interfere, can interfere with uh, bonding and attachment and how you know how easy that feels that that comes um and so yeah if if gender disappointment can impact on parental mental health on uh, feelings of anxiety and low mood in pregnancy and postnatally um and so we need to kind of think about gender disappointment in the context of um parenthood motherhood what else is going on um and and yeah, thinking about it kind of with a wider context. So as sort of a society, it's probably important to encourage people to talk about, to be honest about preferences and potential disappointment. But as someone who might be experiencing a preference or potentially the disappointment of, of having a gender that wasn't anticipated, the key really is to talk about it, whether with, it's with friends or with a professional Yes, yes. And, you know, this sense that of common humanity, that you're not alone, you're not alone with this. And I think gender disappointment can often be a very lonely experience um, to think I'm the only one that feels like that, especially if you have tried to reach and speak to maybe your partner or a family member and, and perhaps even a, a health professional and maybe not had a very supportive uh, response back um that can be a very kind of you know shutting down um moment well I can't talk about this nobody understands or there's something wrong with me for feeling like this um I shouldn't be I'm doing something wrong by having these thoughts and feelings so there's the guilt and, and the shame that comes up um so really kind of um you know knowing that that you aren't the only one to feel like this um that that you know there are other people and and so these discussions tend to take place online and his, historically have been taking place online um uh, probably since the the 2000s um and you know the, these discussions don't seem to have translated into kind of real life um as as much so maybe yes we need to be thinking more about that kind of just uh, generally and presumably if you do have a preference and you don't know the gender 
probably not great to do a massive gender reveal party, is it? <laughs> oh, gosh, the gender reveal parties. So um, these I looked up to see when they started. And I think they started around 2008. And it was an American uh, blogger who, who started it. And then it went viral. Um, but yeah much like kind of the idea of baby showers I've seen this you know in in the UK um come up much more in the last few years and certainly kind of the era that my me and my friends have had babies baby showers have definitely been more of a thing and I think gender reveal parties are starting to culturally become part of the process of having a baby well that's just what you do um and uh, so there is this rise in popularity, and I wonder whether that puts certain pressure on people to have them expectations that there is going to be, you know, like this big reveal around gender and sex. And there's no shortage of clips on social media that show the disappointed reactions. Um, at gender reveal parties, which tend to be heavily criticised. Um, so I think that possibly also then makes it harder then for, you know, against that backdrop for people to say, actually, this is something that I am, I am um, struggling with when they see that the distress on these clips are not tolerated generally by people. Um, and an, another important thing, I think, is also, so something I, I hear quite a lot is that people will say, I, I didn't realise I had such a strong preference. I thought I would be okay either way. But that moment of finding out whether it's in the scan or at a gender reveal or, you know, at, at birth, I, th I thought I would be okay and I wasn't. And it hit me. Um, and I was surprised by the strength and the depth of the emotion that I felt in that in that moment. Um, and so, you know, maybe sometimes these these things, these clips that we see online, might be the re response in that moment, in that second. And there might be, you know, a very different response when once that's kind of settled um, settled down. Well, it makes me wonder whether we should maybe be a bit more mindful about the environment in which the gender is revealed, whether, you know, if there's any kind of uh, sensitivity, like absolutely don't do it in front of 100 people with a kind of large spectacle and balloons and all of that. Yeah. But actually, yeah. even in a scan, you know, you may think, you know, I'd rather find this out in the intimacy of my home, in which case they mm -hmm. you can always ask, presumably, to say, could you just write the sex of the baby in an envelope and then we'll do it in a private situation? Because certainly what I've realized is that it's so much better to actually acknowledge your emotions, even yes. though they may not be desirable. So if you are feeling disappointed or sad or tearful, much better to acknowledge those and address them and own them than to suppress them, which you're much more likely to do, especially being very British, you know, in front of all your friends or even in front of the sonographer. You know, I don't want to sort of acknowledge my disappointment in this environment but actually so much better than to, to be able to be in a situation where you can actually really you know feel those emotions because that's absolutely. how you're going to not get over them but learn to live with them absolutely absolutely and, and the you know it, it 
it goes not not just for gender disappointment, but any kind of emotional, psychological distress um, that, you know, if we push them away or we try and ignore the emotions, it doesn't, they don't go away. <laughs> they don't, you know, they might pop up in other moments. So then the triggers change over time. So it might be that, you know, um, your best friend announces that they're pregnant with a daughter um, and then what that brings up for you if, if you didn't have the daughter that you longed for or seeing children out when you're out um, out and about or walking into the supermarket is often a big trigger and um, the clothes, all the girl clothes and not very many by comparison boy clothes or, or the types of clothes that you can get can often kind of make people... Um, make this emotion come back up and of course that it's also really important to remember this isn't all kind of um, a cognitive process this isn't all about kind of you know um, it isn't about being demanding and saying I want um, this is a whole body nervous system response uh, and actually understanding why um, in those moments your body is going into this fight or flight response this stress response why is that happening is in relation to this is something that um you know we can think about in the therapy room um that that is you know helps us understand why this is so important to you and in terms of people accessing professional help can they just talk to a therapist or does it should it really be someone like you that knows a lot about this notion of gender disappointment um i think if you go if you're looking for help with uh, um uh, professional help with uh, gender disappointment then um it would be advisable to speak to someone who who works in the perinatal period so someone who works in pregnancy and um uh, around birth and after birth beyond um and you know likely well i know that colleagues in in nhs perinatal services have and do see um this this come up um, but again it isn't talked about very much so it's kind of um it doesn't it might not appear that that is something that you might go um and talk about but but yeah certainly and, and certainly if there is an impact on mental health emotional well-being in you know it for anything in parenthood um or as a new parent you know go and speak to your gp or your midwife or your health visitor and and see what is available to you um or if you are looking uh, for a private therapist yeah check out that they um they work in the perinatal period and you can ask them have you got any experience of working with um gender disappointments because yeah, i think a lot of people you know they're feeling these feelings and yet they really want to develop a close bond uh, with their child and so they might think i'd love to just see someone and hopefully nip this in the bud and learn to live with these feelings rather than not address it and for there mm -hmm. to be some kind of issue with the connection I have with my child yeah absolutely and I, and I think you know we did briefly mention it before but maybe if if we were able to think more um about gender disappointment as a form of loss and and with loss comes grief 
so it's not not necessarily so much about the baby that you do have although you know it it can be and if you are struggling to to connect with that baby then absolutely there is support there for for you um but the the grief aspect of it if we you know we're very good as a society to understand loss in terms of bereavement and this is a bit more ambiguous how do you lose somebody or something that never really you know existed in the first place but of course they've existed in in people's hearts and minds um the the longed for daughter or the longed for son and all that imagining of what life would be like and what i would be like as a parent and what our relationship would be like um the 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 loss of opportunity for that to um to to come true um is 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 a loss and um it's a different kind of loss but it is a loss and so if we think about that then the response being a grief response um maybe we could be a little bit kinder to to ourselves and um you know we would never say to someone who has lost um you know someone very very important to them oh you know the the task now is to get to a point where they didn't matter to you anymore you know they don't matter to you anymore that, that that's just not what we we do in grief we say this is important this person was important to you and in gender disappointment I very much do that this isn't about getting rid of the necessarily getting rid of the preference it's about understanding why it's so important to you what maybe else that's tapping into um and yeah everything that comes with uh, grief work the the acceptance and eventually the the building your life around the grief um you know how do you then move forwards with the life that you do have with the children that you do have how do you shape your relationships in a really meaningful way that if that are fulfilling to both you and your child and um if um if anyone wanted to access your therapy online, is that or you do online therapy, don't you? I do. Yeah, yeah. So I'll link your details in in the sort of show notes so that people can get in touch if they'd they'd like. Um, Lindsay, thank you so much. This has been so interesting. I've got to say, I'd never really thought about it as a thing, but yet my whole life is sort of dedicated. Well, my whole life, but my professional <laughs> life is dedicated to, you know, making pregnancy and motherhood easier for or parenthood easier for parents. And actually, I think this is a a massive part of um, of it. And and mm-hmm. it's so refreshing to hear that sort of acknowledgement that something that we potentially feel ashamed of, um, just talked about in an honest and unchallenging way. So thank you so much. Thank you very much, Marina, for for highlighting this. And um, I hope it's helpful for for people listening. Um, Well, thank you. And thank you all for downloading this episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review wherever you found this podcast. I'll link Lindsay's details um, in the show notes. And um, in the meantime, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm marina.fogel. But from Lindsay and me, thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.